0: Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody, welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by AdiQuest, your cybersecurity compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're being joined by Lorento Spilka, who is a Java developer and trainer. He's also an author and speaker, and the Group Java Community Lead for Endava. Lorento recently published his book, Spring Security in Action, which is available through Manning Publications. And we're going to be talking about how Spring Security can be used by Java developers to produce more secure applications. Laurentiu, how are you today?
1: Fine, a little bit tired, it's late here already.
0: It's late, well, where is here for you?
1: Um, I live in Bucharest, Romania.
0: Wow. how is How are things going there? I mean, the whole world's kind of been crazy this year. How have things been it's in same, Romania?
1: Same crazy as everywhere. So this year was the pandemic year, the coronavirus year whatever you want to name it, it, it was everywhere. Uh, I usually like to travel, but this year I didn't have the chance. Uh, I actually ha- remember in February, I, I had some conferences planned. I used to, to talk at uh, different conferences around the world uh, and they got canceled just one after the other and I didn't have the chance to, to participate to any other event than an online one in, during this year. But, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I kind of think we have taken a lot of things for granted. The ease at which we can just hop on a plane and get to the other side of the planet and, and go and travel and see family and friends and all of that has been kind of taken away from us this year. But at the same time, you've seen a lot of innovation. Um, I mean, have some of those conferences uh, gone virtual?
1: yes and people learned how to work online in the end we we weren't used to do everything from our panel sometimes from our dormitories but now now it's we we discovered that this is possible and we've managed to to adapt and to to work from home uh, i personally really like very much um, uh, the office and i like to interact a lot of with people it was really difficult for me to to work from home that uh, that much Uh, but we got used to it and finally now it seems we It just became a habit in in the end, but I I have to to admit that I I can't wait to to (laughs) escape this this situation and go back in an office and go back to conferences, discuss with people, have a beer together and so on and so forth.
0: I 100% agree with you. Um, I actually started 2020 in Japan. I was living in Japan setting up our um, Japanese rep office and... Japanese culture is probably one of the most conservative and slow-changing um, large cultures in the world, uh, and you know the the idea of work from home in Japan has never really taken um, taken root. This year, though, companies were forced into it. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went on, and, and a lot of companies are like, wow, we can actually, we can do this, and and we can improve, uh, well, we can cut our costs, um, we can improve employee satisfaction, because they don't have to get on a crowded train, and, th- and then they start developing all these different hybrid models, because like you said... People do miss the the human interaction, and there's a lot of value that be, can become from you know just you know bumping into a colleague in the hallway and having a conversation. So a lot of companies have taken like a, a hybrid approach, where you know two days in, three days out, uh, distance in the office. I, I I would at some point somebody's going to have to write a book, uh, you know, kind of talking about all the innovation in work models that have come out of 20, uh, 2020. But um, you you mentioned you go to a lot of uh, conferences because you're very, very active in the um, Java development community. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And do you primarily focus on s- security issues or or is it b- basically all Java-related t- issues?
1: Yes, not necessarily. It's the Java ecosystem in general. Uh, it's mainly only Java, I have to be honest with you. I'm not a front-end developer. I'm, I'm a back-end developer, and I only... I'm only in the Java ecosystem, Um, I like to stay, um, I I find Java ecosystem to be large enough for me to always find questions, issues to solve and different problems to keep me uh, busy. Uh, So I didn't have the chance to to get out of it. Uh, I mostly uh, work on and I've worked on Spring applications but I've started a long time ago with Java EE which lately became Jakarta EE somewhere in the autumn of uh, the fall of uh, 2017, if I remember correctly. Uh, and in terms of kinds of issues uh, I work on, they are different. The, not only security, I happen to have uh, written a book on Spring Security, but um, I solve and I, I consult companies and developers and teams with different kinds of problems from performance related issues to clean coding and uh, uh, class de- class design and architecture um, mainly technical the technical part with choosing technologies from the Java ecosystem depending on the kind of applications they have and of course security why that's one of the topics uh, I've uh, written a book about.
0: Yeah no and I, I think that's really important because you have a very broad perspective versus somebody who is just, for example, focused on security, they might not be able to relate um, to some of the business requirements or some of the other requirements of the app that's being developed. Um, but when you have that broad perspective, you can kind of see how things fit together. And um, and I did I re- I read your book, um, Spring Security in Action, uh, highly recommended. And later on, I'll explain to our, our listeners how they can um, download a copy or purchase a copy from Manning Publications. But um, why don't we talk a little bit about, um, I want to come back to Spring Security, but but first off, why is it difficult for developers to build security into an application? I mean, what are the challenges there?
1: Um, first of all, um, in regards to Spring Security especially, it seems that um there was a lack of documentation lately, uh, and uh, um, even if spin security has a good reference, a lot of things um, are um, are missing, uh, like uh, the practical the, the the things that that c- come with experience of working on a specific security uh, aspect of an application. So usually reference tells you how to use a specific class or a specific interface maybe the way the class design of a specific framework looks like but in order to be able to properly use any kind of framework not only spring security in an application you have to first of all be very aware of the business of the application that you implement that's something i always recommend all developers first of all when you start working on an application make sure that you understand as much as possible what the business is that gives you a lot of clues which can help you can with security uh, uh, issues, avoiding vulnerabilities, performance-related problems, and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, another problem is that it seems uh, a lot of um, uh, solutions have been implemented um, and uh, uh, because of the lack of documentation, people sometimes found what I, what I call workarounds um, on specific uh, issues. So instead of, for example, when developers had to implement a no out to system uh, and they found out they have to use a specific kind of, of token implementation like a JWT, uh, instead of uh, uh, researching deeper or finding in a, in a complete uh, uh, resource, that Spring Security supports that uh, uh, implementation out of the box. Uh, They started to implement filters and use Spring Security but but kind of with custom implementations. Uh, That one with the JWT token and the OAuth is one of my favorites because I find it very, very often. So I'm uh, working as a consultant and I happen um, with this uh, job I have to see a lot of projects. And one of the most frequently, um, if, um, one of, of, of the most frequent problems I uh, um, see in different applications, projects from different teams, maybe maybe different companies, uh, is that um, uh, what what people can't actually, or or uh, they have luck in in knowledge of a specific framework. They tend to uh, customize it somehow the way they understand. And not only that, they, they do that, and the developers um, uh, um, maybe uh, don't go deep enough in studying the framework as they should. But they find a lot of fast, quick articles around the, the um, web that uh, describe already the way others did that in a wrong fashion. Uh, and not that articles are not good; they are excellent. We need that, and we—I uh, love all the the blogs and. Uh, the websites where i find different solutions but what everyone has to understand is that searching for a specific solution and finding an article that solves that is not enough you have to to research a bit to spend a little bit of more time uh, it gets value in the end uh, by uh, seeing multiple articles and multiple solutions for a specific prob- for, for solving a specific problem and then deciding uh, which one of del- those or maybe a combination of those is the solution for for what you need, but developers tend to actually see if get the fast they get fast the first link they find on Google. If that solves their their, their problem, then it's in, they simply implement it. But that might not necessarily fit perfectly with what they need.
0: I, I think that's some some very good advice. I mean, you definitely need to verify whatever solution that you're going to implement. Let's take a step back. Um, can you define Spring Security? Uh, you know, give give a kind of short, concise explanation of what it really is.
1: Spring Security is pretty simple. It's a framework helping you uh, to implement application-level security. Mainly, it refers to implementing authentication and authorization. So authentication, we can implement that in different uh, fashions that... Um, they are, say, well-known, like uh, you can authenticate with a username of with, and the password, so a set of credentials. You can do that via uh, in, in a web application, say, via an HTTP header, like uh, the case of HTTP basic, which is probably the most straightforward um, way of authenticating, but you can as well have in a web application a form where we introduce the, those credentials. Uh, And Spring Security provides these uh, authentication styles out of the box, some of them, but also gives you the possibility to write custom uh, authentication uh, logic in case you uh, you don't in in your app you don't you can't fit one of those that um, are uh, well known. uh, Let's call them like this. And same with authorization, it it, uh, allows you implement faster the authorization, uh, which is uh, allowing the authenticated uh, uh, user to do something based on who who they are. Um, Now, Spring Security, of course, as any other framework, the main purpose is uh, to allow you implement uh, uh, this authentication and authorization with uh, avoiding uh, writing a lot of boilerplate code because if you'd like to take uh, and implement authentication and authorization out of the box without any framework in your application, you will maybe write 10, maybe 20 times more code than if you are using a framework. So first of all, you get rid of the boilerplate code, and you use some of the features out of the box. And secondly, uh, by using those features that are also used by a lot of other developers and in a lot of other projects in the in the community, uh, you are uh, sure that uh, it's, uh, it's less probable that, that you find vulnerabilities there because if you implement your own solution, uh, then you have to either very roughly test it, but you still test it only it's only you who tests it. Uh, but if you use a framework like Spring Security. Uh, you know that if, if something uh, was there during, uh, in, and, uh, and the uh, um, a specific vulnerability was introduced with a specific version, uh, it's more likely that somebody would, would have already found it because there are so many projects using the same logic. Uh, so, by using a framework uh, in case of Spring Security, by using Spring Security, you also make sure that there are less chances you introduce vulnerabilities in your application. Um,
0: totally makes sense. Why don't we even take um, a little bit, uh, another step back? I mean, I, that was an excellent introduction to Spring Security. But, you know, maybe some listeners are thinking, well, yeah, I mean, security is important, but why is it so essential these days? Um, and, you know, what is what is a secure application? I mean, because there are varying varying degrees of security. But in, you know, based upon the work that you've done and the projects that you've been involved with, why is security so important? And and, and, and what does it actually mean to be secure?
1: Yes. So in, in general, um, we refer to uh, the user's resources because in the end, what an application does is processing data. And that data belongs to someone. Uh, and usually what happens is that you don't want anyone to access any data that's processed you. You um, have specific situations in which specific users can access only some kind some, some data. They are allowed to uh, and not only access. When I say access, I, I don't only refer to get it, uh, I also refer to uh, be able to change it somehow because in the end again the app is processing data. So uh, the ability of retrieving data or changing data in specific ways uh, is privileged for specific users. Uh, we, if you have just as a short example for, for everyone, if you have an email application, uh, you just implemented your your own Gmail. let's call it like this. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, every uh, each user only is only able to see their own emails, their only email messages. Uh, and for example, if I have an account, I'm not able by um, any means to see messages that were sent or received by another user of the system. And you can now uh, uh, go and take any other example uh, and any other scenario and you will see that some of them are more sensitive than, than others. So for example, you have an email application, of course you don't want to share uh, your um, uh, your messages with uh, with another user, but imagine that you also have a mobile banking application, so I'm definitely sure you don't want to share your account and your money with, with somebody else. So you, you have uh situations depending on your application and the the business of the application uh where um the possibility of accessing data is um, riskier than than in in, um, uh, other cases but in general in any application you have a degree of risk and what you want is to protect the data to make sure that only the users uh, that are allowed that should uh, access that the d- data they are not only those are allowed to access the data.
0: Okay, so let me let me ask you on the projects that you've been involved with, or or in the projects that you've followed, is there somebody or a team that's specifically looking at the the security, you know, the the risk to reward? Because nothing's one hundred percent secure, and but you can make things very, very secure, sometimes at a cost to, what, development time and resources, and maybe, and maybe drag on the, the efficiency of the application, right? I mean, if I, as a user, have to MFA every single step of the way, I'm probably not going to use this application. But um, so in your experience, who's the one that points out, hey, you know what, here's something that we need to make more secure or we should consider making it more secure? Is that a team effort? Is that an individual? I mean, what works best?
1: it, it yeah, it's it really depends so I, i've seen uh, in in many projects i've seen um, cases where there's no no person allocated for that but i've also seen uh, um, projects where they had uh, a teams only for uh, for the security part and even even specific projects more sensitive where they had actually a couple of teams for the security it was uh, a team, I'm not sure actually who invented this philosophy, uh, but uh, I've seen that applied in a couple of uh, of projects in where a specific team um, basically uh, was uh, responsible with making sure the released app doesn't have any vulnerability and the second team um was trying to actually break the application afterwards so it was kind of a competition between these two teams but this is a very fortunate case because unfortunately what i've seen is that in many cases uh, there is no dedicated person for uh, for the security so it's even better if the team uh, working on the development is aware of what security means uh, because in a lot of cases uh, it relies only on them to make sure that the application is not vulnerable. Uh, how uh, what, what what else I've seen in projects in terms of managing security is um, integrating the security in the DevOps process because for some years already we have this DevOps philosophy I like to call it because it's kind of a philosophy of a working philosophy between teams and we call it DevOps in terms of the communication between development of the app up to the release of the application in the end. And it's kind of, you can imagine it as a pipeline where you do a lot of activities where part of them are done by the development team, some other is done by the by the operations team, and some of them are, are, done, all, um, are, are done all together. Uh, and uh, now in the DevOps uh, lately, um, some teams, some some development teams, integrated this this concept of DevSecOps, the Dev Security Operations, Development Security and Operations. So integrating the, the security uh, as part of the process itself, and as part of how I like to call it, the definition of done. Be sure that you have uh, tested and secured your application properly before re- releasing it. Um, in an environment
0: yeah it, it's it's interesting because different organizations have different I guess um, risk profiles and maturity levels and I guess viewpoints towards security it traditionally seems and I we're not really on the development side but even on the you know the, the just the platform uh, protection side um, there sometimes is a separation between business goals and security goals. And we find in, in the organizations where security and business are fully aligned, in fact, where the business understands that a secure platform actually brings value to the end user, whether the customers are buying something, a service, et cetera, uh, because you can sell security as part of the value added of the platform or the application. Security, you know, makes the the end product more attractive but oftentimes organizations kind of lose sight of that I mean in why is that in your in your opinion
1: um, I'm most probably it's because of the stakeholders not being aware of the consequences that um, um, what can happen if you don't uh, don't invest in security and indeed as you say one of the problems is the investment itself because once you, <clears throat> dedicate a team for security, or even dedicate time from your development team to uh, be sure that the system is secure and that that again, as you mentioned earlier it 's even on on multiple levels, so we now discuss about application level security because we started from from the spring security, but you have this many uh, this many levels where it's the infrastructure itself needs to be, to be secure, the network has to be secure, and so on and so forth so in this devsecops you have actually <clears throat> people from different different places taking care about security so the, the uh, more people you involve of course the the uh, cost the more costly it is to um, to to take care of security but now of course you uh, also as you said you don't have to mfa uh, any kind of operation so uh, there is a limit somewhere you have to find the compromise Uh, the right compromise where uh, you invest as less as possible, but get the needed security out of it. Now, why uh, why a lot of applications are not necessarily secure, and uh, we see that's not that much as desired investment in security as it should be, is because, uh, of course, development is expensive, uh, so taking time from your development team costs money and most uh, in most cases the stakeholders tend to see only the business use cases and they are very happy if you see they see that they press the button and some some digits change on on the, the, the screen or whatever on the web page or whatever they, that is uh, they see that as being a complete uh, uh solution uh, but in in if if of course if that's working but uh, somebody can actually take steal data or even change data or so on depending on the application uh, that can uh, can rely on on severe consequences like even in case of getting some private data now in Europe we have the the gdpr uh, the, and this is a set of regulations that uh, uh, in case some user finds out uh, some somehow the their private data ha- have been stolen or, or lost through your application uh, you um, basically you the, the company will be um, um, we will have to pay a lot of money basically to uh, to compensate that and there are a lot of a lot of stories out there with people that uh, um stored their credit cards details for different ride sharing applications and then they found out that in a totally different country somebody was was uh, actually using their their uh, card um, uh, and their their um, money for for uh, different rides where they've never been to um, of course in these cases you risk to be sued and then then to um Lose first of all money, and then lose brand, the brand and the image of a company, which is very valuable. Uh, we know again a lot of stories where, when when some kind of company loses uh, um, brand or image, they they then even uh, tend to um, get bankrupt because of that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean reputational risk, compliance, and regulatory risk um, are huge and often oftentimes ignored until it's too late. Um, it's funny because I, I was involved in the development of a platform that actually the the selling point was security. Um, and so I, I don't know if you're familiar with like the localization or translation industry, but traditionally you have thousands and thousands of freelance translators all around the world. And then you have enterprises, customers who say, hey, we want these documents translated. They'll send it to a translation company and then they would you know, usually, typically, uh, historically, use email to send these documents out to translators. Now, imagine you've got translators all over the world, working from home. That's not the most secure way to handle information. And some information, you know, maybe it's it's not really that important. But, you know, sometimes we, we were working with consulting companies, large financial institutions. And, and when, you know, they would say, we don't feel comfortable with you sending our information to translators. We want you to have... Uh, those translators on site. Well, that's you know very very expensive because maybe you're doing twenty different languages and you need twenty different linguists and then you have to bring them on site. It's actually sometimes logistically just not even possible. So the company that I was with uh, actually developed a platform where instead of emailing the documents, you could share the documents um, through a web application. The, the the translator could view the document and um, and type in a translation, but they weren't able to copy, download the text, copy the text. Um, I'm sure that we, you know, we, you couldn't do screenshots. I'm sure they could pull out their phone. There's always a worker around and they take a picture. But it, it brought the security up to the point where we were actually able to go out and acquire a lot more business because of the security, the security of our platform. And I think that's a, a good example in my mind of actually putting security as a business uh, benefit right as opposed to a cost or a drag, um, and I think you know if I, if i 'm going to look at a, 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 a bank that i 'm going to use or any other any other company actually that that 's going to access my information, I want to know that um, that they 're being careful with it and oftentimes you know in the u s we 're not really famous for our um, <laughs> our data security practices um, I, hopefully that 's going to change, but my point is um, security can be a a, an asset and not just a protection against those potential risks let me ask you um what are some of the common vulnerabilities that you're seeing in in your ecosystem
1: um yeah that's that's a very good question because i have i have plenty of examples i will i will try to resume to maybe a couple or more maybe three of them that i uh, i very often see uh, and mo- in most cases, the, the most encountered vulnerabilities are those that are the most obvious. Um, they look simple, they, they look uh, like um, um, they can't harm anyone, but, uh, but they actually can be good pieces uh, into the puzzle that, uh, um, say, somebody, a bad-intentioned individual, can uh, uh, use them to, to access the data um so and and most of them most of them uh, uh, most of the vulnerabilities happen because uh, of, first of all of the negligence of the developers, uh, but uh, in a lot of cases because of the lack of time of course because if you don't allow your developers take the time to, review what they have done they they will kind of uh, skip some cases which is human which is is normal so it's in my opinion not their fault uh, so one of them uh, that i very often see is using vulner- using dependencies uh, that uh, have vulnerabilities uh even though in a lot of uh we we have solutions uh, for uh, say making this check automatic and there are even maven plugins uh, we can use for example i'm again discussing only on on java side uh there are ways to integrate uh, the checks in your development continuous integration pipeline and so on uh i tend to see that uh, there's still uh, a lot of cases where I find um, dependencies uh, with known vulnerabilities So you basically have a specific dependency at a specific version in your POM XML file, Say so you have a, a Maven um, project, and uh, that one is basically known for having some kind of vulnerability that um, uh, an attacker can, can use to do something bad, say, with your applications. Sometimes it's stealing the data, sometimes it's... Simply putting your application down, um, so that that's a very often one. So what I what I usually do, first of all, in the projects I work myself on, because I also work, work as a developer, not only as a consultant, uh, I always make sure when I increase version number uh, that I check again all my POM XML um, if uh, if I do that for an application and um, review the um, versions. And uh, in the continuous integration pipeline, I do recommend um, doing that automatically as well. So there are there are solutions. Uh, I, I won't detail now uh, for validating for validating this. And it's best if you can actually enforce that from your uh, uh, pipeline level because then the developer, if, if they add some kind of dependency which they happen to copy paste from a specific article as I said is happening previously they simply copy paste that into their POM XML they don't check it and then if that that version they've copied that that, dependency that they copied have, has the uh, vulnerability then it, they will be uh, notified by the by the pipeline and uh, the uh, will, the pipeline will fail and then then they will have to check it so that's that's one of uh, of uh, the um, the best now. Uh, in some cases, in, in terms of Spring Security especially, it happens that uh, I find here and there um, people introducing vulnerability for not understanding correctly how to use different features of the framework. One of my favorites, I also have it described in more detail in the book, uh, is the use of the AND matchers versus the MVC matchers. Uh, What happens? That's a very, very uh, small detail, but uh, uh, it's one of the features that I find uh, uh, very frequently misused. Uh, If you use ant matchers, uh, in some cases you might uh, you might leave out. You might apply the security authorization rules that 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 you write uh, on uh one path but what you don't know is that spring for the same endpoint can associate multiple paths and if you only if you only applied the authorization configurations on one path and the endpoint is accessible through multiple other paths uh, then all the other paths might remain unsecured might, might remain unprotected uh, and I actually found that even in an application at some point, of course, I can't give names uh, and uh, not names of, of uh, neither neither applications or companies, but uh, I even found that at some point uh, in an application that was related to uh, payments. Uh, and that's pretty tricky because you don't want somebody from outside being able to actually call a specific endpoint and make a specific payment <laughs> if uh, uh if they they are not allowed by by you by by uh, by the the user who actually own the money um and that that that, that was uh, that was one of the the um say very small details but that can can bring very um uh damaging um uh, results in the end yeah. And uh, I,
0: I think what you're talking about, too, at, at, at another level, I mean, your observations just reinforces your earlier point about the importance of being part of a framework and a community. Where you can learn from each other, right? Um, and I mean, you're just sh- you're sharing super valuable information right there. If I if I was on a you know a, a small development project and and I'm tasked with this, and I'm like, where do I go? And just listening to what you're talking about there, you know, like three or four different light bulbs are going to come on and and be helpful. So um, yeah, thank you. Uh, please keep keep going.
1: So yeah, another uh, very uh, it's maybe it's, it uh, it looks uh, again very small. Uh, is and but that that's very very often I find in applications in I, I can't say all the applications but in in a lot of applications maybe the majority uh, is uh, not treating correctly or completely all the exceptions thrown by your application. so it, it happens that an, an application throws exceptions at some point the, the reasons might be, Business-wise, business-related, because an exception in Java can be simply a business case that uh, that you want to um, that the developer wants to to throw and in order to to try to 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 sorry to treat it somewhere else in the application, or it can be a technical thing like I cannot connect to the database or I, I cannot connect to a specific other microservice or things like that. But the idea is that what happens uh, is that if with spe- especially with a web application. Uh, you need to make sure uh, what, what gets out in the HTTP response. So You have endpoints and you call them, you do some HTTP requests, you get, get back the HTTP response. If an exception occurred on the service level in the backend, and you don't make sure what gets out in the HTTP response in that case, you might find out that specific messages that are caused by exceptions you might not have written yourself, they might be part of different libraries that you use. They might contain sensitive data. My favorite is uh, when using uh, um, when, when using um, a client an, um, an HTTP client to connect to a specific other service, and the connection fails. I've seen very um, often cases where in the response uh, there are messages like. Uh, could not connect to a specific uh, application on a specific IP and a specific port. Uh, and then, if you have something like that and you expose an IP and the port, uh, even if they are uh, local IP and IP sample, they are not public. Of course, they are some in, a, in some kind of a private network. But what what happens is that somebody, uh, uh, again, a bad-intentioned in- individual, can use that to find out how is your virtual private network configured. And that's, of course, not enough to be able to break something, but it can be a good piece in the puzzle, because what, what does actually a uh, bad-intentioned individual, a uh, hacker, wh- whatever you want to call uh, them, uh, is that they collect disclosed pieces of information and they put them together. And it's important to give them as less as possible pieces of information. You can't have on a 100% secure application, but you can avoid at least uh putting in your uh, response uh, exceptions that contain sensitive informations like ips ports uh, versions of different dependencies you use sometimes i see that uh i don't know uh, in inside in in the the exception stack trace you see tomcat and the specific version of tomcat the application use, is using or whatever other uh, other dependency hibernate uh, and then you either can find out that specific uh, dependency actually has already a, a vulnerability and then you you even make the, the job easier for, for somebody who wants to take advantage of that because you already, you not only have used the dependency with vulner- vulnerability, but you have also told hey, here here it is, it's it's vulnerable, just just. (laughs) Uh, Or uh, even if it's not vulnerable, you still don't want to do that because if if a specific uh, um, bad-intentioned individual will find out that you use the precise version X uh, 10.2.1, then they will be, of course, more tempted to go and see if that one has a vulnerability, even if it wasn't found, uh, found already. And maybe they find a vulnerability in that precise version. So you don't want that. 100%
0: I 100% agree. One of the uh, the key principles that that we believe in is make those bad intentioned individuals make their job and life as difficult as possible. It's never going to be 100% secure, but they're they're looking for the low-hanging fruit. And if you make it easy for them and you give them all the keys to the kingdom and all they've got to do is just do a little bit more on their own, well, you've done their job yeah. for them. So make it difficult. 100% agree. Hey, um, let me ask you this. Um, You know, you've written a book, Spring Security in Action. Um, You have a YouTube channel. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your book and your YouTube channel, other things that you do, and then give us, uh, the listeners, some suggestions for other resources. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, you've just shared a lot of good information. Um, You know, where else can people look? Uh, Of course, you know, you've got your book, your YouTube channel, but what other uh, resources are out there as well?
1: So um, yeah, in, uh, let's, let's start with, uh, with the book itself. First of all, uh, the most valuable thing the book comes with is putting together and in the right order uh, all the things you need to learn uh, to have the basics of Spring Security. I want to, to be precise and say the book which is over 500 pages, it still doesn't contain all the Spring Security in the world out there, because if I, if I would have put it there, all the Spring Security in the world, it would have been 2,000 pages, probably wouldn't have been enough for me. Uh, but they give you everything you need so that you have the basics and then find out solutions on a, a solid backbone. If you don't have this backbone, then it's not only more difficult to find solutions, but it's also possible that you find a specific solution which is not the right one, but, but most probably a workaround. And sometimes workarounds, they are not, not okay from many perspectives. They can introduce vulnerabilities. Uh, keep in mind the framework still is only a tool, you need to know how to use it. So. It's, it's not, as I, I've also mentioned in, in the first chapter of the book, if, if you have an alarm system, but you forget to uh, secure your windows, then it's not the alarm system problem that you didn't secure your, your windows and the thief entered through the windows. Uh, same with Spring Security. Uh, but the book basically puts in order, so what what you need to do is if you know uh, nothing Uh, or very few about Spring Security, just take it chapter by chapter, and it starts very smoothly in Chapter 2. Basically, Chapter 1 is the introduction about vulnerabilities and uh, the importance of security, and Chapter 2 starts smoothly in action with um, a small project uh, auto-configured, pre-configured by Spring Boot, and then it it shows you uh, component by component in the class design, how to configure, how to customize, uh, the, those components, chapter by chapter, uh, I, I say or I try to do it lean enough to be uh, easy to understand, even if you have zero uh, knowledge on Spring Security. Of course, I expect you understand Java and you know Spring at least Spring basic, basics already, because otherwise, uh, I, I couldn't actually teach also Spring in this this book. But uh, um, it provides you, un- unlike resources on the internet that are disclosed. Or you find something, let's say you you find, you search how to implement a OAuth2 system with Spring Security, you might find an article about the resource server, but uh, you don't know that you first need to learn about JWT tokens uh, and be- before that, you need to learn about the authorization server, and if you don't know that before that, you have to even uh, learn about the, the filter chain and so on and so forth. So what the book does is putting in the right order what you need to learn so that when you when you start with something, if you don't, un- don't understand, so you open the book at chapter 10 and you don't understand what's there, it's, it actually means that you had to to go a little bit uh, before and read the previous chapters. Uh, so again, it, you can find all the Spring Security now on the web. I, I'm definitely sure it's the reference out there. There are plenty of articles on different forums. But what's missing is that they are not in the order you need to make it fast to to learn it. And of course, besides that, I also share here and there some of my stories and my experience that you, you might find and probably you will find useful when writing your own applications. Um, that's uh the the that's the book um, and and just
0: just as a reminder I'm I'm going to put uh, in the podcast description or this episode's description I will put some links to the book uh, and your 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 YouTube channel as well but I'm sorry go ahead
1: thank you um yeah the the YouTube channel uh that's where I try to keep in touch with the community uh the YouTube channel is free uh, I do it for uh, uh, sharing knowledge. It's one of the things I like to do. I'm, um, I'm also a Java trainer, by the way. Um, and uh, it's the place where I try to actually, uh, at least once a week, um, create a nice video tutorial about um, about a specific uh, Java technologies. Not necessarily Spring Security, but it's Spring, it's Java fundamentals there. Um, and what I try to do uh, is to most of, of my videos are live, so I do live events and in the live events I actually just share my screen and I, I explain that concept or that technology by writing an example on the spot and sometimes it happens that I fail, but I'm glad that this that sometimes it happens that you, that you find me failing because that way we can find together a solution and up to now it's about two years since I, I started the channel. Um, we uh, found solutions for all the problems where I, for example, uh, didn't manage to, to do something on the spot. So what I try to do is do something a little bit more live uh, than only some um, uh, recording, some some video, video tutorials recorded, like you already find on Udemy, for example, or on Safari Books Online, or uh, O'Reilly Learning. I think it's now the name. That's uh, that's the difference and of course it's free the disadvantage is not copied is not copy edited and not edited in general so um, yeah I don't invest a lot I have to be honest I don't invest a lot more than my time uh, in uh, in doing those uh, tutorials uh, but uh, a lot of people find and found them already as being very useful so I, I hope you, you you will find them very useful uh, as well. Um, in regards to other uh, uh, places where you can find uh, information uh, on Spring Security, but also Java-related, what I do recommend you is first follow people on Twitter or, or on LinkedIn. In both social platforms, they have strong communities, uh, and in a lot of cases, I uh, I found interesting subjects. Uh, Twitter won't tell you how to solve a problem of course but you will find an interesting subject that you, you might say oh nice i want to learn that and then then it gives you the idea it, it rings that bell to i need to 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 learn that so let's let's find more knowledge about that i do recommend you read a lot of books so in my opinion the books are the best of course they are the best they are they are also cost but that cost is uh, um, equivalent in the quality of, of the material because a, a book is always technical proof, it's copy edited, uh, you're mo- it's, it's, uh, it's most likely that you won't find problems in there and uh, again most likely they are written by people uh, based on their experience which is not something you find in the reference. Somebody asked me uh, in one of my previous YouTube videos, um, uh, live events, uh, how do I um, what was the question? It was something like how do I uh, make sure that um, 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 the, what what I write in the book uh, is not considered um, duplicated with the the reference or something like that that I that I didn't copy from the reference. And I told them I don't actually I don't even open the reference in most of the cases when I when I write my book because I write from simply from my experience and the only times when I when I uh, open the reference is for example when I'm writing an example because those examples those code examples are also written by me and if I simply cannot remember something only then I'm going and read again the the chapter in the reference so it's not really possible that. Uh, uh, you will find application in in a book with the reference because usually the authors the, the value comes from their experience they share there. Do you so, do you so, just so, a
0: a quick question? Do you find that writing a book or or producing the, the your videos that it helps you to organize your thoughts on a particular topic?
1: Yes, and that's that's one of the the next things I wanted to to tell actually is. Uh, uh, I do recommend if you want to learn more something, write articles yourself. It helps you, it helps you um, go deeper into a problem and uh, understand it better when you actually try to write about it. Uh, so uh, I always recommend recommend everyone uh, who want to to learn specific technology. There are so many so many uh, ways in which you can uh, do that by applying your skills like writing an article uh, like uh, uh, and that's, that's a very good one, collaborating on, on an open-source project. So uh, if you don't already have an open-source project, just choose an open-source project, work on the open-source project by solving bugs or by, by testing it and reporting issues or by implementing new features. It helps you again understand that technology better. So for example, you want to understand Spring better or I don't know, some Spring Cloud uh, dependency better, then why not trying to collaborate and contribute? Uh, and that way you will actually go into the code itself. So you will be forced to do that and then you will learn it better as well.
0: That's some great, great advice. Hey. Uh- Lorenzo, it's been great having you on the the, the show. Really appreciate your time. Uh, you sh- shared a lot of valuable information, and I'm sure we could probably talk for uh, several more hours if we wanted to go down any particular rabbit hole around those different vulnerabilities, for example, different best practices, etc. But it's been it's been great having you on. Um, hope Thank you very, very much. Yeah, and um, hopefully in the future, it, the the world will get back to normal, and uh, we can cross paths and uh, and grab a beer together. Sure,
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Actually.